0: Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. The aspect of noise in our head is not a new concept. I have amazing children, and I've hit that age. You know you're getting older when your children look at you and they say, Yeah, but back when you were younger, it wasn't like now. But it's one of those things that... Yeah, you go, wait a minute. Things haven't changed that much. And I want to show that to you. Are you ready? Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge and good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you will surely die. Keep that scripture up on the screen. I want to take just a moment. It's extremely important for you to understand exactly what is going on for where we're going today. So I want to break this one scripture down a little bit more. And then we're going to dive into even more of what's coming about noise. But I want you to look at what God is saying. All right, back it up one more to verse 16, please. And the Lord God commanded the man saying. Now listen to what he said. All right. You may surely eat of every tree. If you have a paper Bible, underline that word every. If you are on your tablet or your iPhone, highlight it. It's a really, really important concept. God looks at Adam and says, You may eat of every tree in the garden. And then keep going. It says, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. You can eat every tree but one. If we were to do a little bit of a study and go back, we'll understand. I think it's Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. Don't hold me to that. It's somewhere close to that where it talks about that God's created this amazing garden, and he's put man in that garden, and he's created all these vegetation. But there's two main trees that he looks at in the garden. One of them is the tree of life, and one of them is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says, you can eat of every tree except for this one. And then listen to what it says. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now realize, he could eat of the tree of life. He could eat of any other tree that produced fruit. He literally could eat anything in the garden. Except for one thing. First premise I want you to catch. I believe some of the biggest things we struggle with with noise is we're so focused on what God tells us not to do that we don't realize all the things he tells us we can do. Like, that's where your greatest noise comes from. Like, God's trying to direct your heart. And you know what's amazing about us as humans? We literally can be offered the world and say, okay, you know, you can do all this, but don't do this. And we immediately like, what's the one thing we can't do? I am horrible about this at one of my favorite restaurants when I go eating some Mexican food at El Cazador. And the lady comes and she says, hot plate. You know what the first thing I do? touch plate if she wouldn't have told me hot plate I'd never touch a thing but as soon as she says hot plate don't touch I go well I'm how hot is it and I go whoa, man yeah woo, caliente woo, that hot that's a hot plate what is it about us that are like that why is it that we can have all of these things available to us but we want to run to the things that we're saying okay listen don't do this If you're taking notes, here's what I would write down. God's promises for your life are abundant. God's promises for your life are abundant. His obediences, those are actually the small things. If you were to really think and get into God's word and go through all of God's word, you would see there's promises after, promises after promises after promises after promises after promises after promises after promises, and I could keep going after promises. And then you'd also say, and oh yeah, there are a few where he says, okay, as far as obedience, don't do these things. Like in, in the Old Testament, we talk about the Ten Commandments. And we will get sideways. About the ten things he tells us not to do. But we won't focus on all the amazing things he says you can do. So again, driving this home, listen to me. As we hit the application stage of this series, it's extremely important for you to mentally choose what you're going to focus on. Are you going to focus on all of God's promises in your life? Or are you going to focus on all the do-nots in your life? Now just... Hit a pause button. We're going to come back to that at the end, okay? I think there's one word that will kind of sum that up. But let me show you how noise entered. So God gave Adam, and he gave him this commandment. And obviously, if we study this a little bit more, there's really two commandments. He said, be fruitful and multiply. But the other thing was this whole concept of don't eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But listen to what happens. Starting in chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field, and the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, listen, did God actually say you should not eat of any tree in the garden? If you have a paper Bible, underline the word any tree, or highlight it if you're on a tablet. And the woman said to the serpent, we may not eat of the fruit of the tree. I'm sorry, let me rephrase And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, we shall eat of the fruit of the trees in the midst of the garden, but we should neither touch or eat of the tree of good and evil, for in that day lest we die. Underline the word, neither shall you touch. So I want you to kind of catch what's going on. And this crafty serpent comes to them, and she's, and he immediately starts taking what God had commanded as all of the promises, and he takes these little subtle twist just enough to make her start questioning things in her mind that questioning in your mind is what we call noise what did they question well let's go back and look at it for just a second first thing he said is did God actually say you should not eat of any tree in the garden Now, what did I just tell you? God said what? You can eat of every tree. And the serpent comes and says, well, yeah, but did God say you couldn't eat of any of these trees? That's not what he said. He said, I could eat of every tree except for one. And immediately, the serpent is trying to To get Eve to start thinking not about all the things she can have. But about the one thing that God said, don't do this. Now catch this. It's not that she can't do it. God's just saying it's not best for you that you do this. Chase a real quick rabbit. Some of you in this room, including me. There are times in our lives that we know in our heart there's something we shouldn't do. God's spirit's in us. We are following God. We're seeing him do amazing things in our life. And there's something that comes up that it's kind of like this this wrestling in our spirit. And we know we should not do it. But then we go, yeah, but how bad can it be? We start listening to the noise and the confusion in our head rather than the God of our heart over the Little things. But listen to what Eve's response was. I just read it, but let me read it again. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. That's true. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Did God say they couldn't touch the trees? wasn't there, was it? All God said was, you can have any of these trees. Every tree you can eat of it. But the one tree, the tree of the good and evil, that knowledge, don't eat of it. Because when you eat of it, you will die. He said nothing about touching it. Listen to me. It's amazing how quickly we can warp very basic concepts. The word that you may want to write down in your notes is legalism. We start trying to define other people what they should and should not do. The reality of it is God didn't say anything about touching that tree. You could build a tree house in that tree if you want to. You can climb on that tree. You could take the fruit off of that tree and have a big, we say it's an apple. We don't know that it was an apple, but you could take the fruit off that tree and have an apple fight with it. You could, t- I mean, you could take the stuff off that tree and just have a bonfire. Like God didn't say anything other than don't eat of the fruit. Another rabbit trail. We talk about our purpose a lot around here. And, and for those of you that may be visiting with us, number one, You're a guest of us. It's great to have you. Our purpose is very simple. We exist to be life-giving. And we do that while we want to help people know God. And then the second one, find freedom. Discover your purpose and go make a difference. That find freedom is a big, huge part. That's where most of us sit. Because most of us, we've allowed other people to speak into our lives. And they've taken God's word. And unfortunately, they've leveraged God's word to create in us this legalistic approach to what life should be like. And when God tells us different things to do for obedience, they take it one step further and legalize it, making it something that's legalistic or something that ends up being oppressive or chains or slavery. All of a sudden, we start struggling with different concepts when in reality, God's saying, you're really making this harder than what it is. That's what's happening in this first situation with noise. He's like, don't make it so complicated. You can eat of every tree. Have them all. Just don't eat of this tree. But it didn't stop there. Listen to how this noise gets so crazy. Starting in verse 4. Listen to how the serpent replies to that. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die what was the first sentence the first verse i read you can eat of every tree don't eat of this one fruit for the day that you eat that you will die and the first thing the serpent says is well wait a minute i can't believe god telling you you can't eat of any of these trees and Eve's like, no, we can eat of these trees, but we can't eat of this one, and we can't even touch it. We can't even like, be like, ooh, it's ooh, it's mystical. Oh, I can't do anything with that. Don't touch it. Oh it's, oh, it's so bad. It's so wicked. Oh, you just stay away, stay away. You ever thought of any things in our lives that's like that? That people say, oh, don't touch this stuff. Oh, don't do this. Oh, it's so bad. And it's like, wait a minute. No, hang on a second. That's not what God's saying. But then he challenges even what God says. I mean, are you really going to die? You know what the answer to that question is? Yes. He said that if I eat of this tree in that day, I will surely die. I will start the process of death. Well, how did this noise translate? Verse 5. For God knows that when you eat of, of this, or when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. Can I go back to verse 5? For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I want to give you three simple things just to understand how noise works and how quickly we can be deceived if we start listening to the wrong things. Number one, God laid it out very simple as far as this whole aspect of the fall of man and gave some simple rules. We started trying to make them legalistic and starting being leveraged against us. But here's what's crazy. Satan, the serpent. His greatest tool in which he, he kind of or or entangles Eve into this, what ends up being the fall of man, sin entering the world, is one simple concept. That when you eat of this, you will become like God. I got a question for you. When God created man, who did he make him in the image of? God. See, Satan was actually saying, hey, when you eat of this, you'll become like God. The only problem is, guess what? We were already like God. And he allowed us to be in his presence, to be able to have a relationship with him. In fact, we were eternal creatures that would live forever. It wasn't until this betrayal happened, till this noise took over her mind, and she ends up eating this fruit. She ends up eating what's coming in. She ends up giving it to Adam as well. And all of a sudden, this grandioso, like, woohoo, we know the difference between good and evil. And you know what they realized? Here's the climax of the whole thing. Woo, I'm like God now because now I know I'm naked. I feel shameful. I need to cover myself. I need to hide myself from God. When he comes, I'm going to hide. And Why are you hiding from me, Adam? Because I'm naked. And then God replies, who told you you were naked? That was like the big oops. Listen to me. I think sometimes if we were to really examine the noise that's in our head compared to the voice of God that's in our heart, we will realize that the things that we think are so great in our head are lacking substance and fulfillment to the void that's in our heart. But when we follow who God is in our hearts, then it's amazing how we supersede the expectations of what's in our head. Only to get there to realize the things that I'm forfeiting to gain the things that are in my head are not worth forfeiting. You want me to prove it to you? Let's talk about wisdom for a minute. Do you know where wisdom starts? There's two different concepts of where wisdom can start. If you have your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. It's a very, very simple verse. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I'll read it one more time. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. See, there are two concepts in which you're going to gain wisdom in your life. One of them is the fear of the Lord. In other words, I fear God and I'm I'm not doing that. I know what God's word says. I know what he's called me to do. I know all of these things that are in my life that I can do. I know the abundance of his promise and his blessings. I'm going to focus on the abundance of his promise and his blessings and do the things that I can do rather than focus on these few things that I cannot do. And so on the process of doing that, that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There are things in my life when I was younger that literally the salvation of my life was started out of fear of, like, I, I, don't, I just know I'm not going to do that. Like, I know this is not going to end well. I'm not going to listen to that voice in my head. I'm not going to go, like, I, I'm, I'm fearful of how this is going to end up. Therefore, I'm not going to do it. But do you know there's another way that you can gain wisdom? See, the fear of the Lord gives you wisdom because you gain knowledge and you apply it to your life. And what it happens is you have this amazing freedom. You have these amazing promises. You have these amazing blessings. But there's another way that you can gain wisdom. It's called disobedience. How does that work? Going back to the hot plate, caliente. Oh, whoo, yeah, don't touch that plate. Dang, it hurt. Like, immediately, I had consequences that immediately made me realize hmm, wisdom. Don't do that. That was stupid. See, I think a lot of times that's how we approach life, isn't it? We have noise in our head and we have a voice in our heart. And we can listen to God's heart and and have a fear for him and understanding that he's in control. And it can bring us freedom in our life. Or we can listen to that voice in our head and and listen to what it results in. You're still going to get wisdom. The problem is, is with your wisdom, you're going to get shackles and chains. It's going to produce produce almost like a slavery mentality in you. You're going to be enslaved to certain things. You're going to have things in your life that are now a part of your life that you can never get rid of because of the choices that you're making. Both situations, you can gain wisdom. But in one situation, that wisdom can bring about freedom, whereas in another, that wisdom can bring about entrapment. Ironically enough, what we see happen in Genesis chapter 3 in the way that Eve chooses to disobey because she thinks this fruit has something to offer her. She gets entrapped not with all the things she can have, but the one thing she can't have. And so she bites, crunch, and all of a sudden she realizes, oh my goodness, and she gives Adam some and crunch. And from that point, the central theme of God's word is him running to our rescue to get us out of the entrapment and slavery of sin. And you know what's amazing? One person's decision has affected all of mankind. Like when you're thinking about the noise in your head, if sometimes you struggle with what to do with that noise, can I give you a little motivation? If you can't think enough about yourself... To pursue the God of your heart? Can I encourage you to pursue the life of your grandchildren? You say, Mickey, I'm single. I'm 20-something. Think bigger. Like the legacy of your life, care enough about those coming behind you to not entrap them with the noise of your life. So the question is, well, Mickey, that sounds great and grand. How do we handle it? Well, last thing, turn to Romans. Romans chapter 12 gives us a very, very practical way to handle noise in our life. Last week, Pastor Sam did an amazing job talking about worship and how worship can silence the noise. It's a noise cancellator. It's like these amazing headphones that you get nowadays that you can put them on and hit a little button and it cancels out all the noise. But it's one of those things that there is something even more to the aspect of worship. And here's the very applicable way. If you're saying, Mickey, I want to hear the God of my heart more than the voices in my head, how do I do that? Here's your answer. Are you ready? Romans chapter 12, we're going to read two verses. The first verse, I appeal, I beg, I urge you therefore brothers by the mercy of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. See, the aspect of worship is more than just the worship and raising our hands and speaking amazing things to God in worship. The aspect of worship is actually a presentation of your life where you say, God, I am going to present myself to you as a spiritual act of worship. Because of who you are and because you're in control of my life, because you know what's better, because you know everything, you've orchestrated it all, you made me in your image, you've given the ability for me to, to leave the slavery of sin and through your son Jesus Christ to have freedom, because of that, I'm going to listen to you in my heart and it's going to start by me, listen, presenting myself to you. What does that look like? It looks like you're learning to say no to your own selfish desires. It looks like you're saying, you know what? If I'm seeking perfect truth and I find it, then I quit looking for truth. You may tell you what the result of of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, how it shows up in 2021. All the different areas where we've brought in moral relativism, And stuff that seems so obvious, and we're like, well, I don't know. I don't really know if this is right or wrong. That's how we handle it. You know why God's so great at being God? Because right's always right, and wrong's always wrong, and there's not a whole lot in between. And that's not him being legalistic. That's not him defining expectations. That's just his word and the way he works. He's like, when I created this, this is how I created it. This is how it works. This is the structure. This is the way it will work for it to move forward. This is how life will exist. This is how this chaos turned into a world by my spoken word. And if it will follow my instructions, it will continue to move forward, even to the day where I come back and set up the new heaven and the new earth. We look at those things and we go, yeah, I don't really know. I mean, I'm not sure that's really right. I'm not really sure that's how that works. I don't really know if that's true. There are so many things that I could talk about that would drive this point home, but you're intelligent people. And you know exactly some of the things I'm describing. We took the knowledge of good and evil and we've thwarted it. And rather than defining good and evil, you know what we, we, we do with it? We, we divide it into what I want, And so, therefore, it must be true. Because I want this, I'm just going to make this be the truth. Because if this is the truth, then I can go get what I want. And that's not the way God works. He says, present yourself. A living and holy sacrifice as your spiritual act of worship. And then the last part's where it really gets good, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Can I just pause for a second? We're talking about this noise in our head and being able to hear the God of our heart. And you know from the very beginning what God's already said? I know there's noise in your head. That's the reason why you got to renew your mind. Like it's a constant process. You say, oh, not with me. Well, okay, you're better than me because trust me, if you knew what was in my head, you'd be like, you can't be pastor. And I'm okay with that. Like, if y'all knew some of the stuff that I have to deal with and some of the, the, the inadequacies and the struggles and the frustrations and the, you know, I mean, just my wife is amazing. She loves me so well. Go talk to her. She'll tell you what it's like. she would be like, that joker, He, I mean, like, he borderline, you know, sometimes I wonder what's up there, you know? It's like, what just happened? You know, and it's just like you just battle. You're struggling. And you know what he says? He says there's a renewal. There's an action. For some of you, here's your struggle. You want to recommit your, your mind, but you don't want to renew it. I want to keep all this stuff. Like, I, I don't want to lose, like, and God said, no, 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 let me renew it. Let me make your mind new every day. Let me start over. Think about a big, huge dry erase board. Let me take some of this trash that you put in, and let me just erase that, and let's start over. Let me put the great things on there. Some of you have looked at stuff that you shouldn't look at. You've watched stuff you shouldn't watch. You've listened to stuff you shouldn't listen to. This is not a legalistic message. Please do not mishear me. But the bottom line is, you have put stuff immediately in your mind, and it's showing up in your heart because you're getting distorted in your beliefs. Why? Because if you listen to something long enough, even if it's not the truth, you'll start going, hmm, maybe it is true. I mean, God said I shouldn't touch that tree. Hmm. Maybe I won't surely die. The same tool that the serpent used a few whatever long, we don't know exact time, after creation, is the same tool that's still used to battle you. It's called questioning. It's called doubt. And then listen to what he says at the end of this. He says, by testing you may discern... What is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? Now, just for a minute, I want you to please understand, this is not a testing where we're testing God. Scripture is very clear. We don't test God. We know who God is. We don't, but he's talking about you. Like, like, if you are really struggling today and you're going through life and you're wanting to do something and you're looking for something more, I want to give you a challenge. We have Easter coming up April the 4th. We're roughly a little over a month away. We're going to be in the gym. It's going to be an amazing time. If you don't know, why don't we try this for a few weeks? If you've been struggling mentally with all kinds of stuff in your head, and you're trying to figure out what God wants in your life, and you're, how about we try this? We're not going to test God. We're going to test this truth in God's Word. That you make a commitment, and say, you know what, for the next four weeks, I'm gonna do everything I can to wake up in the morning and commit my life, saying, Lord, I, it's the simplest prayer in the world, but Lord, I, I commit to you. Renew my mind today, and I present my body today. My body today is your body. My life today is your life. I'm gonna do everything I can. And I'm gonna mess up, I'm gonna fail. I'm not seeking perfection, I'm seeking forgiveness. But I'm going to do the best that I can. That when I have the heart speak, I will follow my heart. For the next four to five weeks, I'm going to make a conscious decision to not listen to the noise in my head. But I'm going to listen to the God of my heart. I'm going to make a commitment to be in your word. I'm going to pray and speak to you. And I'm going to move forward. And he says, do that. And then listen to what it's going to do. He says, do that. And see that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. See, I believe that today the biggest application of this whole series boils down to a choice. In fact, I had a chance to spend some time with my wife, and we were speaking and talking, and she was talking about the ladies' Bible study. For those of you who don't know, we have many different community groups. They meet all over the place. One of them is an amazing study. meets at Miss Carrie Saul's house. It's some ladies. They are in God's Word and in this study, and, and it's a great little group they have. And She was talking about how they in that study they were talking about the aspect of, of he being the great, good shepherd, and they were talking about the concept, and just to kind of give you a perspective, back in biblical times when people were, were sh- uh, herding sheep, it may not be what you think about today. Like today, we, we're kind of possessive, right? We're like, this is my farm, this is my pen, this is my sheep. And we don't let anybody else come in there. It's my stuff. But back in that time, they would roam the fields, and in the end, they would probably take their sheep and go to more of a communal pen, It may be that the owner of the sheep has had to divide the sheep and have many different shepherds. But that aspect that the good shepherd knows his sheep and the sheep know his voice. Where that comes from is the concept of thinking about a pen that has all these sheep in it. These sheep have many different shepherds. But that shepherd could come to the pen to the gate. And he could call out. He'd go, yeah. And the sheep that were only his would leave that pen and join him on the way to graze and eat. And then the next shepherd would come in and say whatever his little thing was. And he would call out, and just the sheep that was his would leave. You didn't have to worry about getting somebody else's sheep. You didn't have to worry about them intermingling. Every night, they would go to the pen, and you would put in many different herds together. But in the morning, you would call out your sheep, and those sheep knew who their shepherd's voice was. And so when they heard his voice, they're like, oh, that's my man. That's my master. Here I go. Time to go on a little walk today. I know he's going to be good to me. I know he's going to take me to a field that's grass and green where I can eat. He's going to protect me from the wolves. He's going to take care of my life. And every once in a while, every once in a while, one of these sheep would go astray. You know, one of these sheep would be like, ah, you know, I think it's a little bit greener over here. And that shepherd would leave the flock, and he'd go find that little precious lamb, and he'd take that lamb, and he'd break its leg. And then he'd put it back, and he'd wrap it, and he'd put that sheep up on his shoulders. And for the next several weeks, he would walk around taking care of that sheep so that sheep would know that he loves him. See, we get so caught up when the leg gets broke, don't we? Oh, my gosh, I can't believe that shepherd would break his leg. That's so terrible. No, it's not terrible. See, the shepherd's more concerned with the life of the sheep than he is with a leg being broken. He's more concerned with the bigger picture rather than a temporary moment. Some of you have had stuff happen in your life and you're so concerned, why would God do this to me? First of all, God may not be the one doing it to you. You may be making choices. But you need to know that choices don't have to affect you for the rest of your life. God can define your circumstances. Your circumstances don't have to be defined by you. But here's what's amazing. In fact, at Christmas time, you usually have a little shepherd boy that has the little lamb around us. Yeah, you're like, oh, isn't that sweet? He's carrying that sheep. That's because he broke his leg. But you know what's amazing? At the end, after he's been carrying that sheep around for several days, you know what that sheep recognizes more than anything? The shepherd's voice. Because as he's carrying that sheep around, guess where that head is? That head's right there by the shepherd's mouth. So every time that shepherd's talking, every time that shepherd's calling out, every time that shepherd, see, it's amazing how the relationship works. The closer you get, Scripture says, if you will draw near to him, he will draw near to you. When he puts that sheep up on his shoulders, it's more than just mending a leg. It's reacquainting that sheep with the shepherd's voice. And I believe that's where we are today. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.